Let's go to Matthew chapter uh, 16, and we're going to read about Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ in verses 13 through 20. And it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, always the leader of the pack, isn't he? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to gather like this and uh, to gather in the name of Jesus. We all come here recognizing that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're Lord of all. You're our Savior. And we come, Lord. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And we just thank you that you're here in all your power and all your glory and all your authority right here now, God, to meet with us, to lift burdens, to break the bands of bondage, Lord, and to forgive sin and have mercy, God, and give us strength and power and love and grace. We thank you for that. And I pray that you pour your love out right now in every heart, God, by your Holy Spirit, as we look into your word, uh, God, just uh, expose every lie of the devil and let the truth set us free. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask this. God's people said, Amen. amen. You know, Pastor Bobby's been talking about uh, the early church, the formation of the early church uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, In Acts chapter 2 there, you know, Peter preaches his first sermon. Um, Peter, who denied the Lord to a little servant girl out there around the fire, you know, when Jesus was on trial. The one who said, I'll die for you. He denied the Lord. Well, now... The Holy Spirit has been poured out in Acts chapter 2. All the disciples go out there on the Feast of Pentecost. Thousands of Jews from all over the Roman Empire are there to keep the Feast of Pentecost. And here these dudes are speaking in tongues and the languages of the people around them, speaking about the mighty works of God. And people said, whoa, these guys are drunk with wine. He says, and then Peter, bold in the Holy Spirit, not denying the Lord this time, but now boldly confessing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. These are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel in the last day, saith the Lord, I pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Uh, Your your servants and handmaidens will prophesy. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. You know, everybody's going to get it. It ain't going to be just to the men. It's going to be to everybody, right? Young and old, rich and poor, Gentile and Jew. And um, 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. And what Bobby was telling us there, um, that those 3,000 disciples were committed and devoted 
to the, to the teaching of the apostles, um, to the breaking of bread, um, to the fellowship. And uh, it says they were, um, those who believed were together and they had all things in common. And so what I'm wanting to do today, because this is Covenant Sunday, is I just want to bring attention to what Bobby's been saying about devotion and commitment and um, to what the Lord is doing today in, in our midst and what he's doing in the earth today. Bobby used running as an illustration. He said, if we want to receive the benefits of running, what do we have to do? You got to run. Run, forest, run, right? All right. Uh, it requires action. Action, action. I want action. ACT. I win. I'm, I just went to a football game last night. I'm just pumped. I'm just. So if we want the blessings that come from devotion and commitment, guess what? We, gotta, we got to put in action our devotion and our commitment. And um, in Matthew 16, what we just read here, Jesus said, I will build my church. And when we see Peter preaching for the first time, and all those people added to the church, what we see happening is the words of Jesus are taking place. His church is being built. He has gone to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's Lord of lords. He rules and reigns. He's the head of the church, the head of his body. And he sent the Holy Spirit to activate us through our commitment and our dedication and our devotion to the Lord. We're all activated by the power of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts he gives each of us to build his house. And what we're building here is a holy habitation for God to dwell in. It's not this house. It's not this, this building here. It's you. It's me. He wants to live in you. He wants to live in me. When we come together, look out because he's with all of us. And, you know, and there's, a, there's that, the Holy Spirit in our midst. So um, I entitled this message, I'm working on a building. For my Lord, for my Lord. Well, there's an old um, spiritual <laughs> that, that uh, I just, I hear this song all the time, especially if you listen to bluegrass music. And uh, I'm working on a building, working on a building. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. You're squinching your face like this is killing me. <laughs> oh, you love it, all right. Well, if I was a sinner, I'd tell you what I'd do. I quit my sinning and I'd work on the building too. Oh, I'm working on the building. Yeah, I'm working on the building. I'm working on the building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. Well, if I was a preacher, tell you what I would do. I'd keep on the preaching and I'd work on the building too. Well, I'm working on the building. Y'all got enough of it? <laughs> anyway, um, so just thinking about this building project that's going on here, um, I look at the, the three, the Godhead, you know, the triune Godhead. Um, let me get some water here. Um, I'm a little thirsty and dry this morning. But uh, there's God who is the architect. You know, God didn't decide to send Jesus after the fall. He didn't just say, oh gosh, darn, I got to do something. It wasn't a knee-jerk response to sin. 
God had a blueprint or a plan of redemption before he created this world, and he placed man in it, uh, before he placed man in it. The Bible tells us Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 8. He is the lamb without spot or blemish. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter 1, 20. He, God the Father, chose us in him, Jesus, before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 4. So before God created all this, God had a blueprint. He's the architect. He's the builder. And then there's God the Son, who's the chief cornerstone. Um, we see in John 1, I'm going to throw a whole lot of scripture at you, so just hold on, all right? Um, John 1, it's be, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to tell us that everything that we see was created by the Word. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is that word who became flesh, dwelt among us. And, and then right there at the end of John chapter 1, John the Baptist sees Jesus. And he says, behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Right? And so Jesus is that cornerstone of the building. He's the chief cornerstone. And then there's the Holy Spirit who's the contractor. He's the one who goes out and gets the framers, the roofers, the brick masons, the drywallers, electricians, plumbers, interior decorators, you know what I'm talking about, to build the building. And so who in here, spiritually speaking, you're the electrician. Who in here, spiritually, you're, you're the plumber, right? You're the roofer, the framer. See, everybody in this room, in this gathering, has a gift by the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, the Holy Spirit gives these giftings as he wills. So he's the contractor. So we got these three working on a building. And they're using God the Father's blueprint. Now, um, Matthew 16, 13, Jesus asked, by the way, here's something really cool. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, couldn't go back to sleep. And this thing, question came in my head about this word. And where are they in this setting here? Caesarea where? Philippi? You know where that is? That is in the northern part of Israel. And it's near the old ancient city called Dan, which was uh, uh, in Israel. And uh, there's a lot of stories about Dan in the Bible. But did you know that the Greeks, this uh, the, the Caesarea Philippi is, is a deserted city today it's just ruins but when you go there there's a hundred foot rock cliff you, and five it's a hundred feet high 500 feet wide how about that and what did jesus say upon this rock i'm going to tell you a little about that in the greek and it'd bring this right back to it to us um not only that in the middle of this cliff was a cave uh, and it was called a uh, the term, they said, was a foreboding cave. And the Greeks thought this was the entrance, the gate to Hades. And they built a temple in front of it to the, to the god of Dan, I'm Pan, the god of Pan. And they would sacrifice, do pagan sacrifices there. This was a wicked place. And Jesus brings his disciples to Caesarea Philippi to make this declaration. Upon this rock, not this cliff you see, right? 
You got it? And then he says, and the gates of hell, right here, everybody calls this the gates of hell, will not prevail against the building of the body of Christ, the church, the dwelling place for God in this earth. The gates of hell will not stop it. How about that? I, I was like, thank you, God. But I couldn't go back to sleep after that. <clears throat> but, you know, when Jesus asked, who do people say that the Son of Man is? You know, Jesus was fishing for an answer. He's fishing for something. And he isn't having an identity crisis. Can somebody please tell me who I am? You know, I do that a lot. You know, Thanks for reminding me who I is. Um, he knows who he is. And he wants to find out if anybody else knows who he is. And notice their answers. All the disciples say, uh, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jer Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, all those were great men. They were godly men. They were divinely called men, but they were just men. Um, <clears throat> you know what? Today, without divine revelation, many people say Jesus was a great moral teacher. He was a prophet of God, but they don't say he's the son of God. I remember going to Monticello to Thomas Jefferson's house. I love that. It was really cool. And there was a gift shop there, and there was a Bible that he had put together where he went in and snipped out all the miracles of Jesus because he believed that Jesus was not the son of God. He was just a good moral teacher. So it kept all the teachings of Jesus, but he had clipped out all the miracles and all that stuff. That wasn't real to him. See, he didn't have a divine revelation of who Jesus is. Uh, so, um, but Peter, when, when he says, but who do you say that I am? Boy, Peter just, Peter's always the first one to speak. He's the first one to take action. Many times putting his foot in his mouth. But he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And bingo, he hit the bullseye. He got it right. Um, and, and Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And just thinking about this. I used to just think that that was all there was to it. He got the revelation. He knew who Jesus was. It was revealed to him by the Father. I never thought about when, he, when Jesus said, blessed are you. I didn't know what was going on here. Now I figured this, I think I got, figured some of it out. When Jesus heard Peter say, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, that was, that was a moment for Peter. I have it written down here somewhere. Let me find it. Um, that was the moment, that, that was a breakthrough moment for Peter. Because Jesus was saying, okay, he's going to be a leader of the band. He's going to be a leader in this church. And, and so, revelation brings a blessing. It brings salvation and it brings appointment. So God just doesn't tell you something to tickle you and make you have a fuzzy feeling. God tells you things to save your soul, and he tells you things so that you can tell others as a leader. You come, become responsible for that revelation. 
And it's another combination I see here is Jesus, Paul, Peter says, you're the, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the, the anointed one is what that means. He said, you're the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, and you're the son of Jonah. Bar-Jonah means son of. So you are Simon Bar-Jonah. You're Simon, the son of Jonah. And um, I just had to meditate on that one a while. So Simon, son of Jonah, <laughs> Peter calls Jesus the son of God. Jesus responds by calling Peter son of Jonah. Or Simon, son of Jonah. Father speaks of origins, doesn't it? When we talk, think of father, we think of origin. Who's your daddy, right? Where'd you come from? Oh, you're that, that painter man's son. Oh, he's good stock. Oh, well, we, we know about him. We, you know. No, I'm mean, just saying, it speaks of origin. Peter's origin is natural, and Jesus' is, is heavenly and spiritual. You're the son of your father, Jonah, and I'm the only begotten son of God. That's just what I see in there. Also, the origin of this revelation of truth came from Jesus' father in heaven, not of human origin, not flesh and blood. Um, Simon, uh, Bar, I'm just reading you my notes. Simon Barjona, you are of human origin, but your revelation is of heavenly origin from my father in heaven. And why is Simon Peter blessed? Because his answer is not a revelation from man, flesh and blood, but from heaven, from my father who is in heaven. This was a breakthrough moment for Peter. With revelation comes relationship, responsibility, salvation, leadership promotion now as soon as you get proud look what happens to peter at the end of chapter 16 he tells jesus tells him i got to go to jerusalem and i'm going to be taken by uh the the leaders and they're going to crucify me and peter rebukes him and why does jesus say to peter get behind me satan i mean so man you're talking about a high and then a low but remember, um, do you remember when your parents gave you the keys? To, they trusted you and gave you keys to the car? You proved yourself, right? You proved that you could drive responsibly. Or they said, here are the keys to the house. That was promotion. You had taken on, gotten a new liberty, but also a new responsibility, Right? And so I guess that's why James says, don't let there be a whole lot of you teachers in the church because there's a stricter judgment. Man, once you know something, you're responsible for it, right? And so we can all be ignorant, but we ain't going to go nowhere. We ain't going to build no house. So we got to go forward in Jesus, right? And so as we go forward, God's going to start speaking to you, revealing to you the word of God, his will for your life. And for, you know, and he'll start using you to speak, but you're we are responsible for the revelation that we get. But in it, it's, a, it's a blessing at the same time. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Might be jumping my, but gee, when Peter spoke out there outside that upper room, and he said, these men are not drunk with wine. Look out. See, I, I did get way ahead of myself. So Jesus tells Peter, you have, to you are given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, what is his key? It's that revelation. 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And on that, when that day, when he stood and those men said, these guys must be drunk with wine, speaking all these languages and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're Galileans and they're just old fishermen. They don't know no languages. All the, and they're like, what's going on here? And he said, he, he, he said, this is that which is prophesied by the prophet Joel. But then he said, this Jesus that you crucified, God made him Lord in Christ. And when they heard this, they said, what must we do to be saved? He said, repent. <laughs> Believe on the Lord. Be baptized for which the sins. And you'll receive the promise of the Holy Ghost like we did today. And so what was he doing? Using the key. What happened? He opened the door and 3,000 people came into the kingdom of God. Now, there were times the door was shut. Jesus told the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is going to be taken from you and given to another people that will bear the fruit because you have rejected. What did he do? He shut the door because they would not receive the truth, the revelation. What did the apostles do? The Jews wouldn't receive it. They, dust, they, washed, they, took the, they shook the dust off their shoes and said, your blood be on your own head. I'm going to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles received. The door was open to the Gentiles. When, when Peter went to the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, you're not supposed to be with Gentiles as a Jew. But God said, what I call clean, don't you call unclean. And, and about that time, there was a knock on the door, and it was Gentiles. Would you come to see our centurion, Cornelius? He was the general in, um, the, of the Italian army. And they go to his house, and, and he was a, uh, I'm sorry, a lover of the Jewish people. And, they, and he prayed. They were praying. They were seeking God. They didn't know who, you know, they didn't know. They wanted answers. And there was Peter, and he told him about Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. He took that key, and the Gentiles, as he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell, and they spoke with tongues, just like they did in Acts chapter 2. And he said, well, who can forbid these men to be baptized? Let's baptize you. And they were baptized. They entered the church. That day, the door was open to the Gentiles. Peter got in trouble. He had an answer to the Jews. i got to get some... He had an answer to the Jewish elders, but God had his way, and the church building grew. And you look in Acts, the, you just see the building growing and growing and growing. They come up against an obstacle, and God gives wisdom. And it says, and the word of God increased, and more people were added to the church. So, <clears throat> you know, you ever tried to build something, and you run into obstacles, <laughs> and you had to figure it out? <laughs> And sometimes you just said, I give up. <laughs> and then 10 years later, what's that? That's something I started, man. I couldn't figure it out, and I just let it go. Well, let's finish that thing, you know. <laughs> so that's, see, the devil, he's going to try to stop the work. But the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So the revelation is also a rock. It's a foundation for building the church. And that's what he says. I tell you, you are Peter. Now, Jesus, when he met Simon, was in John 1, 42. You can read that. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. He said, this is my brother. And Jesus said, oh, you're Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter or Cephas. And it means a little rock. And it just means a pebble. It's just a pebble, just a rock along the pathway. But he said, you are Peter, but upon this rock, 
I'm going to build my church. See, you might be small, but when you're teamed up with Jesus, oh, you're like that rock in, in Caesarea Philippi. You are a majority. You and God are a majority. And you can move mountains. You can move mountains and do great things for God. And uh, he said, you're Peter, you're Petros, a stone, a pebble, such as a small rock found along the pathway. But on this rock, this Petra, Petra, on this Petra, it's a cliff. It's a projecting cliff. It's a boulder. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians 2.20 says, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Peter became a piece of the rock. He didn't become the Pope. I mean, I hate to offend you Catholics, but uh, he became a, a part of the foundation, but he wasn't the chief cornerstone. He wasn't the head of the church, you know, on the earth, the vicar. But he is uh, a piece of the foundation. All the apostles, the prophets. And what's beautiful, I'm going to go ahead and read this, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10 is here's Peter, whose you know, name means a stone, and he's writing his first epistle, and he says, as you come to him, a living stone, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10 there, he said, but uh, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So, Here's Peter, the old, the old stone that he is. He's, he's not a rolling stone. I'm, he didn't like, you know, Mick Jagger. But anyway, I'm, okay, I tried. So anyway, he's a, he says, you uh, have come to the living stone rejected by men, and you yourselves are like living stones. So we're all living stones, and we're being built up as a spiritual house. We're a part of the building that God is building to be a holy habitation for his spirit. Uh, and we are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, um, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he goes on and talks about how they stumble. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you've not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Is that you? Is that me? Yeah. If it's not you, it can be you today. Because today is the day of salvation. You can come to Christ right now by just confessing him there's another beautiful scripture romans 10 verses 6 through 3 but the righteousness see the jews were about a works-based righteousness and they rejected the faith-based righteousness by just trusting in christ but the righteousness based on faith says do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring christ down or who will ascend into the abyss that is to bring christ up from the dead See, there's no work that we have to do for salvation. It's already been done. God sent his son down. Jesus willingly came down from heaven. God raised his son up from the abyss, from the grave. We don't have to do anything. We just have to receive what God has done for us in his son, Christ Jesus. 
And when you see that, I might have told you about it, but my Father in heaven showed that to you. And you were born again. You confessed it. He says, who? He says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's that revelation right there. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died for you and God raised him from the dead? If you believe that, then believe it in your heart under righteousness. Confess it with your mouth under salvation. And you shall be saved for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered, saved. Amen. So when we receive the Father's revelation of who Jesus is, we become like Peter, blessed. <laughs> we got salvation. We become members in the household of God, living stones. We become <clears throat> a, uh, a piece of the rock, right? We gain access to the family of God. You got the keys. You can come into the house. <laughs> you can go in, come in and go out, right? And you're appointed to proclaim Jesus. You know, you know him. We'll tell other people about him. The last thing here is, is Jesus is working on a building. John 14, 1 through 3. I never thought of this. We always preach this at funerals. He says, um, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If my father's house are many rooms, in my father's house many rooms, if it were not so, <clears throat> would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. So we're all sitting here thinking Jesus is up in heaven making a mansion. Well, he says, I got to prepare a place for you um, that I can come again, take you to myself, and there where I am, you may be also. We are the dwelling place for God. In Ephesians 2.22, in him you also are being built up, built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Well, how does the book of Revelation end? Revelation 20, 21, verses 2 through 3, and I saw the holy city. Isn't this where God is, where Jesus is going to build something? I see it coming down, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. But it's not a building. It's people prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Jesus isn't going to marry a building. He's marrying a people. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. So God, Jesus has gone to heaven, but he's not up there building some mansion, you know. There's nothing down here that we can think of that can compare to that. But when he comes, he's bringing back those with him, and we'll meet them if we're here when he comes. But we are, he's making dwelling places for him. <laughs> and um, anyway, just ending this, <clears throat> have you received the revelation from our Heavenly Father about who Jesus is? Have you believed in your heart unto righteousness and confessed with your mouth unto salvation that Jesus is Lord and God has raised him from the dead? As living stones being built up as a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices, 
Are we devoted and committed to using our spiritual gifts to build God's house or his dwelling place? What are we doing with those keys of the kingdom, the revelation we've received that opens and closes doors to advance the building of God's house? Those are the questions that I ask all of us today. And, um, you know, I just want to say this. I remember I was, <clears throat> mom and dad just took me to church all the time. And um, I was abused. I was drugged everywhere, drugged to church. And, um, but you know what? In all of that dragging me to church, one day I'm sitting at the table. Mama's cleaning up after our Sunday afternoon meal. And I started asking her questions about God. <clears throat> and she knew that God was talking to me. And she said, I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> We're going to go see the pastor. So he took me, she took me to see our pastor. And he gave me a little book called The Gospel of John. And he prayed with me to receive Christ. And I received Christ. And I know that's when my eyes were open. That Jesus is the Christ. The son of the living God. And... I believe that everybody here, that word of faith is on your tongue. It's near you. You don't have to go fetch it. You have to do anything. It's right here. It's right there waiting. All you got to do is say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died, that he's Lord, that he's raised from the dead. And you're saved. Confess it with your mouth. And you're saved. And let's just... Um, I want to pray and ask the band to come up here. Father, we, um, and I'm going to ask Nick to come. But Father, we just pray that um, you'll give us a heart for what you're doing in this hour. The building of your church, the building of your house. And um, that, Lord, we will not put anything in front of it. But it will be the most important thing to us. And Lord, we'll just, uh, Lord, we'll just surrender all to you. And, and Lord, we'll give our all to you. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that you'll help everyone here to surrender. There's nothing worth holding on to, God, that um, is, uh, Lord, everything in this world is temporal, but you are eternal. So help us to embrace you, eternity. Help us to get everything to you and let you, allow you to be the Lord, surrender to your lordship, be the Lord of our lives. And um, just thank you for your mercies today that are infinite, God, that because of your mercy, we can come because of what you've done, Jesus, your shed blood. There's nothing that can keep us away from coming to you and bowing. I don't care what we've done. There is no sin too great that can keep us from going through that door we thank you for that key of heaven that unlocks that door so that we can come lord nothing can keep us out your blood has made a way for all of us to come and the devil has nothing against it he cannot stop it the gates of hell cannot prevail against it and we believe that in jesus name amen